Today is Sunday, August 26th, 2018, time for episode 60 of the Barnhart Podcast. As I joked on Twitter, I was looking at uh, Anne's uh, blog this evening and, and realized, oh, we're having a podcast. I guess I should get ready to record this. And uh, somebody replied back, oh, I wonder what the topic is. And I said, <laughs> well, flower arrangements, of course. Well, we are going to talk about some pansies, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, it, I know I know what the topic is. And it was interesting timing looking at the, the gospel. If you go to the Extraordinary Form Mass for the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, the gospel is... No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or, as we probably are going to get into in this episode, you cannot serve the church and the Lavender Mafia. And with that, I'm going to step back and let you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, boy, what what a uh, momentous, how long has it been now? 24, 28 hours. Um here we all sit. We're going to do, this is going to be, I think, just a relatively quick podcast because it's a single topic and just feel obliged to get something out there um, because people are still confused, looking around, um, looking for answers, some people still being scandalized. Um, I, I put on on my website that, you know, it, it's not that I'm happy that any of this is, is happening, obviously. But one is happy when one sees truth coming to light, um, movement toward justice. That makes you happy. And it also makes you happy when you realize that you're you're witnessing history in real time, that that our Lord and his mother are working and moving, and we are moving towards something we're moving towards some sort of a resolution here this still doesn't fall obviously under the category of any sort of um you know completely totally supernatural intervention because this is the act of one man uh but you know what that that right there is an important point and i've said it all along it only takes one person one person and i've been saying you know one press conference this wasn't even a press conference this man the former the former nuncio to the united states vigano he didn't even call it press conference he just drafted a letter and publicly released this letter and you know within within minutes within minutes the course of history has changed um it it only it, it takes so little it takes so little, and uh, I can't remember if it's Leo the Thirteenth. One of one of the the holy popes wrote, "It takes so little for men to to do the right thing to change the course of history, and so many people will be filled with so much regret um, because at the general judgment, or maybe even at their particular judgment, but certainly at the general judgment, people will be will." have the ability to look back and people will realize just how little they would have had to have done, how easy it would have been to do the right thing. And um, that's where we're sitting right now. Well, and now it, it certainly I, seems like Vigano said, and he pretty much said this, I want, I'm, I'm an old man. I want to die with a clear conscience before I face God face to face. And, you know, to the point of, you know, feeling good about being vindicated. I mean, that, uh, my phone started just making noise nonstop at about seven o'clock last night. And just, it kept going till I silenced it for bedtime. But mm -hmm. one of the, the common themes coming up on, on Twitter was, I bet Ann feels vindicated on her prediction. I was like, well, First off, nobody's happy about 
the fact that any of this is happening. Secondly, Anne didn't predict this. She happens to know it. You've got sources. I don't know how you know this stuff, but you simply were reporting it. It's not like you were saying, I think they're going to announce lavender mustard as the next you know flavor at McDonald's. Yeah, that's just guessing a wild air and seeing if it sticks to the wall. No, you happen to know this and you're, you're trying to spread the words like this is what's going on. It's like, okay, we're happy that this is coming out. I mean, in the same sense that people who knew that the government's going crazy with spying and all the rest were happy to a certain extent when Edward Snowden blew the whistle and dropped, you know, and started exposing a whole lot of what's going on. But at the same time, it's, you don't really feel happy. It's like maybe something will get cleaned up now. I mean, this is not a happy situation. No, I mean, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about sodomy, we're talking about something so spectacular, spectacularly horrible, sin so awful that they cry out to heaven for God's vengeance, that up until just not too terribly long ago, decent people simply did not talk about these things because they're so awful. And then you layer on top of that, the fact that these crimes are being committed by these, these clerics and these prelates oftentimes against young men who are studying to become um, and who might have genuinely had a vocation to the priesthood themselves. And that's who these crimes are being perpetrated against. Um, in, ter- in terms of what you mentioned about sa- people saying, do I feel, does Anne feel, Anne must be happy because she must feel vindicated or speaking to my credibility. I, I will just very quickly say Yes, um, maybe now people will realize that all of this jumping up and down and yelling and screaming about the fact that the Vatican is a literal bathhouse, that I have direct information of this. And there is so much that I cannot talk about. And it will make one hell of a book someday if it comes to that. But If it doesn't come to that at the general judgment, believe me when I tell you, everyone will find out that I had a massive pipeline of information into all of this and that I was not just, you know, saying these horrible inflammatory things in order, you know, to get to get giggles from my stat counter on my on my stupid website. That's not what this is. This is me with actual information desperately, desperately trying to warn people so that when all crap like this comes out and it's going to get worse and there's going to be more because we are just starting down this path. We have just started down the path of correcting this. Um, That when people hear this and see this happening, not only are they not scandalized, but then you can be hopefully like me and look at this and be edified and say, okay, all right, it's all happening now. I mean, that's that's the big message that I've been sending to people on my, you know, on my phone is, as like you said, the messages are zipping back and forth and buzzing and buzzing. It's that's those are my words. It's like, man, it's all happening. It's all happening it's unfolding. It's starting. This is history in the making. Remember all of this. Remember these days. Remember where you are. Remember what you're doing because, you know, however long we survive, those of us who are in the middle of this, we're going to look back and we're going to say that that was 
a pivot point. This is one of the most important things that has happened in the history of the the earthly institutional church militant is what's going on right now. So in terms of my credibility, I don't I don't mean to sound condescending. It'll probably sound condescending, but yeah, are are y'all ready to listen to me yet? Are you are you all ready to listen to me yet? I know that some of my tactics are abrasive to put it mildly, um and I know that when I speak that I am incredibly emph- emphatic when I speak and in today's uh a feminized culture, lots of people don't like that. You need to suck it up and listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. God knows I know what I'm I'm talking about. So, for the, um, for the two or three people who have gotten eight and a half minutes in this podcast and are wondering what the heck is she talking about, how about just setting the picture and, and bringing people up to date? What has been going on in the last 48 hours and what's the general context? Um, a The former nuncio to the United States and the, the nuncio is from the Vatican, um, you know, representing the Pope, presumably, but from the Vatican, there is always a basically a diplomat who is sent to every country and he's kind of, I mean, you can kind of use the word ambassador. He's kind of like the papal ambassador to um, a given country. So obviously the nuncio to the United States, that's a, that's an important position, obviously, just by virtue of the size and the influence of the United States. And the money. And the money, and the money, well said. So the man who was the nuncio to the United States from 2011 to 2016, a man by the name of um, Archbishop Vigano, V-I-G-A-N-O, with an accent over the O, he's he's had enough of this business of... um, McCarrick and Whirl and all of them lying and saying they had no idea. And he drafted an 11 page letter and absolutely went full auto flamethrower. And then when the flamethrower ran out of gas, he stuck his bayonet on and he just started stabbing. And it was, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. And he blows the lid off of the whole thing including Bergoglio, Bergoglio, gives direct eyewitness testimony. I know these SOBs are lying because I told them about all of this. This was all discussed. They all knew, including Bergoglio. They're all lying. They're all a bunch of psychos and just just pins them to the wall eight ways from Sunday. And it is a beautiful thing to behold and confirms everything that we've been saying, everything we've been hearing. They're all complicit. It is it is a mafia. It is an absolute mafia of sodomites, including Bergoglio. They are all in this together. They protect each other. They are all about um, Bergoglio, especially being a Peronist from Argentina, it's power, 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 and protecting the sodomy and protecting the sodomite clique. And, you know, not, they, these men have no supernatural faith. They are psychopaths. They are inveterate and facile liars, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and this letter just beautifully confirms all of that. Um, so now getting into the meat of things, um, a couple of preliminary notes. Um, the first thing that needs to stop right now is all of this. Um, you know, there's these people who are who are pseudo trads or whatever you want to call them. And the trendy thing is the I hate Ratzinger 
meme. Um, I hate Ratzinger. He abandoned us. This is all his fault. He's a heretic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. There, there are certainly massive critiques to be made of Ratzinger. I'm on the record verb, uh, on audio, on the podcast, in writing multiple times that because of what Ratzinger has done with this cutesy pie attempted faux halfway abdication, yes, I'll still be the Pope, but not really. He's the worst Pope ever for what he has done. However, right now, in this moment, we need to we need to compartmentalize that and put that to the side for a moment because Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, is the vicar of Christ on earth. And what we're seeing now and what has been drug into the light is that something was said and or done to him to threaten and coerce him. And we now see the level of evil that the, all of these men around him, the College of Cardinals, all of these curial bishops, the whole damn thing. I, the Vatican is a functional bathhouse, functional bathhouse. The evil that was surrounding Pope Benedict is incomprehensible to, the, to those of us who are morally sane. We can only look at it superficially, but none of us can really, really understand it because we've never, we've never actually been involved in, in a literal house of sodomy or anything like that, especially with, with clerics and prelates. We can intellectually understand it, but we can't deep down understand it. Because Ratzinger is the vicar of Christ on earth, he is Peter. And if we truly love the papacy, which as Catholics we are obliged to because it is an office that was established by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself, the rock upon which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, this on this rock I will build my church because, as we as previously discussed, whenever you have somebody in charge of anything, a group of people getting together to do something, someone has to be in charge. God Almighty, being the best human resource manager there is, and being the best understander of these dynamics, would naturally set up his earthly institutional church such that it would not devolve into the chaos that comes about when there is nobody in charge. Therefore, we have Peter, we have a papacy, we have this, this juridical office that is completely unique in that it has unique supernatural protection. And it is the only office like this in the world. It is the only office like this that has ever existed or will ever exist. We love Peter. We love the papacy. We love Vatican I. We love the, the infallible dogma of papal infallibility, that there is, in fact, this supernatural protection. Also, we love other human beings because we love God first, and if God loves Peter, then I love Peter too. If God loves Ratzinger, then I love Ratzinger too. 
And so we look at this situation and instead of doing this selfish, navel-gazing, narcissistic, me, 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 you abandoned me, 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 oh, this is like what my parents did to me because they were bad and me, 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 and you abandoned me, me, me. Are you getting the theme here? Me, 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 me. Instead of that, we need to look at this situation, look at Ratzinger, and the first thing that should come to our minds is to go to Ratzinger and say, Holy Father, what did they do to you? What did they do to you? Tell us. Tell us the truth. You were coerced. It's obvious that he was coerced out. If we love Ratzinger the man, and if we love the papacy, this is the first thing that has to be ascertained in all this narcissistic, me, 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 you abandon me. You know what? When someone does something as awful as this, and and it's someone, it's someone that you love, and it's someone that, that loved you or loves you. You need to ask the question first, wait, what happened? Is there some, is there some mitigating circumstance hiding in the drapes that we're not aware of? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that there is something hiding in the drapes here with regards to Pope Benedict XVI, and in charity and in, in concern for him, that needs to be addressed and ascertained. Um, so ask the question, Holy Father, what what did they do to you? We're here for you. Let's let's fix this. Let's get this straightened out. And then after we do that, we can have these long, hard discussions about the fact that you you made a big, big tactical error here. But let let's get the situation squared away. Let's get you safe. Um, and let's start working back in the right direction to undo this damage that's been done. Um, it reminds me, I was going to write a blog post on this, but, you know, things move so fast. The moment often just kind of drifts away. Just a, 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 not too long ago, last week, 10 days ago, the guy stole the airplane in Seattle. And, you know, we went up and he, he took he took off in the airplane and it was he was basically committing suicide he wasn't a Muslim terrorist. He was, he was just a white guy that was cuckoo and lost it and basically committed suicide in this way. But when, when something like that happens, you listen to the air traffic controllers and the air traffic controllers are not interested in telling him that he's crazy. They're not interested in telling him you've done a horrible, terrible thing. It's look, you, okay, you've stolen an airplane and you're up flying around in an airplane and you're running out of gas. Let's let's figure out how we can get you safely down on the ground. Let's let's find somewhere for you to land or even let's see if we can't get you to do a controlled ditch into into the into the Pacific and we can have the Coast Guard come and pick you up. But it's it's all in the moment when something like this is happening. It's let's get you alive on the ground. And then after that, we can talk about getting you mental health care, um, any law enforcement that's going to happen. But we're not even going to talk about that right now. Right now, we just need to get you safe on the ground. That's exactly what should be going on right now with regards to Pope Benedict the Sixteenth Ratzinger. He's he's done this thing. There are mitigating circumstances behind him that that coerced him presumably into this thing. 
let's just get this thing settled down right now. And then after, after we're back on track and there's not an anti-pope, we can, we can talk about these other things, but let's get this fixed first. Um, so segueing now into what, what happens now? Okay. Let's, let's assume for the sake of argument, cause it's looking pretty intense that, um, that rats, uh, excuse me, that uh, anti-Pope Bergoglio is in for, is in fact forced out and resigns. Now I know that this isn't a done deal yet, but we have to get square on this question from the get-go because if if we're not right on this, I'm telling you, chaos is going to ensue. <sighs> well, there's always a chance that Benedict could be reinstated slash reelected. There's there's no re reinstate reelect. He is the Pope and has been the Pope all along. We have to get our minds around this. Bergoglio is an anti-pope. An anti-pope is not a title. It is a criminal status, period, like rapist or murderer. There's rapist, there's murderer, there's extortionist, there's anti-pope. These are criminal statuses, okay? He ha- you don't, de- you don't, you know, you don't depose an anti-pope in any sort of, in any sort of, well, let's get the College of Cardinals together and, and we have to call a, con- no, 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 no. He's a criminal. You haul his ass out of there. And in fact, he should be thrown in jail. He should be thrown in jail. He should be laicized. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, he's, he's a criminal. He is an arch criminal. Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger is now and has been all along the one and only living Pope. You don't have to do anything. He's the Pope. The, the sea is occupied. Okay. He, he's even wearing the right clothes. He's, he's got the wardrobe. We don't even, we don't even have to go to Gamarelli's, which is the, the, the um, liturgical goods uh, clothing shop in Rome. And we don't even have to buy him a wardrobe. He's been wearing the wardrobe all along. There's nothing to do. He's the Pope. Okay. So this business of, well, let's, let's say that we, that Bergoglio is removed and goes away in whatever capacity. Well, we have to call it conclave. No, 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 no. For the love of God, literally for the love of God, you cannot call a conclave when the sea is occupied, Ratzinger's still alive. Pope Benedict is still alive. He has not validly resigned. Now, this that is an option, okay? There are two options here. Actually, there's three. Benedict re- reasserts acknowledges fully the mistake that he's made and starts doing his job again, which is administering the church in his capacity as the one and only living Pope. Um, I I think the odds of that sadly are probably pretty low, but that's the best case scenario. And we just keep praying for this and, you know, we'll see what, what happens. I mean, 48 hours ago, none of us knew we'd be sitting here in the situation that we're in now. So we keep praying. So that's number one. Number two is imprudence. The church goes into a state of basically emergency suspense. And and for lack of a better word or better term, just waits for Ratzinger to die. 
you have to wait for him to die. You cannot call a conclave because if you call a conclave while the Pope is still alive, that conclave, just like the conclave of 2013, will be invalid because you can't have a conclave when the when the sea is occupied. People are just not comprehending this. You you put the church into a state of of emergency suspense. All you have is a skeleton crew. You clear everybody out. There's no magisterial anything going on. You just have the capacity to pay the light bill and keep the lights on and and pay the janitors to to sweep the floors in St. Peter's and everybody else, everything else just stops. And we wait. We wait for Pope Benedict to die. Um, The third option is, in fact, that Ratzinger validly resigns, which means that he resigns without any condition. He reverts to um, he revert, he reverts to being um, cardinal or Archbishop Ratzinger, whatever. He goes away and lives the rest of his life completely sequestered in a monastery somewhere. No public appearances, not a word, nothing. This is the clear precedent for for popes that have resigned in the past. And yes, popes have resigned in the past. For goodness sake, Pope Ratzinger himself, twice, while he was actively um, um, executing his ministry, as pope, went to the tomb of Celestine V two times, and one time left his pallium on the tomb, thereby sending a clear signal to the Lavender Mafia, to these sodomites, that he was fighting and and fighting and losing as it's it's clear it's clear now sent a clear signal to, to them that he was going to resign but he did this cutesy pants invalid version trying to bifurcate or split the papacy no 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 you either resign or you don't he didn't um and so but he does have the option this is on the table he has the option to validly resign. You, but what you have to understand about that is if Pope Benedict XVI now submits a valid resignation at some point and does what he should and actually resigns and actually goes away, and, it's, and his resignation is legally hunky-dory, according to canon law, specifically canon 188, you realize what that means. It means that in doing that act of, of, of submitting a valid resignation, he will be confirming by that that the first attempt in February of 2013 was in fact invalid. So, I mean, we talk all the time and we say that, you know, Satan is one hell of a chess player and has really set up the board so that, you know, you're, you move into check if you do this and you move into check if you do that. You know who's a better chess player? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so if if you have Ratzinger now submit a valid resignation, what that does is it confirms that his first attempt five years ago was in fact invalid. So th- there's there's that maneuver there too. You can't get away from this. But the point is, oh, for the love of God, you cannot call a conclave. If you call a conclave while Ratzinger is still alive and is still the Pope, which he still very much is, 
you are going to end up with another anti-pope. And the anti-pope you end up with is going to be younger and way smarter than Bergoglio. And it's going to be it's going to be an absolute disaster. And it will be it'll be tricky because people will think, oh, no, th- this guy's cool. This this guy's going to turn things around. If, if the guy has 40 more IQ points than than Bergoglio, all that means is he's going to be better at hiding it. He's going to be more intelligent about, you know, putting the sodomites back in back in the closet, so to speak putting all this back underground and tricking people into thinking that, oh, no, no, the church is being reformed, when in fact it's going to be it's going to be the same crap and it's going to be the same descent into um, into into heresy and the same continuing ascent of the of the anti-church. No, you, you have to have a valid pope. You can't have an anti-pope, and people are just driving and driving and driving towards this, uh, and I don't know what it is. I don't know... I, I suppose it, it's probably very conceitful for me to assign this as any sort of a, you know, personal personal animosity against me or trying trying to prove a point against me or not wanting to be on the same side as me. I, I, I don't know. I think it's just probably the overall pride, as with Ratzinger, of having to say, hey, I've been wrong all along. And whether or not I've been, I and Barnhart personally have been right or not, um, I think there are some people who are... Um, who are bitter because they have degrees and this, that, and the other. And I have, you know, I'm, I was a commodity broker. I was in the cattle business and I just waltz, I just stumble into this and I'm able to point and just, you know, call this stuff out and see those, see these dynamics. I don't know, call it grace, call it the fact that I did operate in the real world. And that's, that's a really good point. A lot of these people, a lot of these theologians and these people who are, who are commenting on on all this are basically adult adolescents who have never operated in the real world, who look through, look at the world through rose colored glasses, not saying they're naive, but we're talking about people who've never met a payroll, um, unmarried, no children, and just aren't really able, certainly aren't able to grasp the kind of, the kind of dynamics that go on with, with human beings and human beings in groups and, and how these things tend to play out and manifest. And I don't know, I I did run a business and I was disassociated and I was I like to think, even though I'm a person who's never been married, I'm. I don't think that I'm adolescent. I think I'm adult enough that I've that I've got my I've got my SHIT together at least a little bit. A lot of these people don't. They're just big perpetual children. And then someone comes in who doesn't have a degree, and and shows them up, so to speak, even a little bit. Um, you know, a great example of this is Chris Ferrara, who I met in person one time, and he he tried to voir dire me and grill me about my about my resume. You know, how he said to me, "We suspect that you're all, we all suspect that you're probably right, but who do you think you are to be even making this argument?" And my my response is, "Who do I have to be, dude? Who do I have to be?" And he's trying to make the point that, you know, he's a lawyer and he's this and he's that. And, and he even brought up, and, and what is your degree in, Miss Barnhart? Well, my degree is in animal husbandry, Chris. What, what, what was Catherine of Siena's degree in? She was illiterate until she was in her early 20s. 
uh, I, I don't know if you, if you, do you have to have, do you have to have a, a law degree or a degree in, in theology in order to call a spade a spade? Does, does the good shepherd discourse only apply to people who have degrees? I mean, I'm sorry, this is just ridiculous. Um, so I, I guess it's that dynamic. I'm not real sure, but there's a little bit of that. And I think it's just the overall pride of saying, we've been wrong. We've been deceived. We almost went off completely into the ditch. Okay, now we got to get back up onto the road. I think that's a lot, that's very, very hard for people to do. And it's something that over the course of my life, I have been able to do that a couple of times. I converted to Catholicism. I had a major, major conversion in my, in my professional life. I went from being a uh, macroeconomic forecaster to completely the opposite and being a microeconomic arbitrageur, um, which is basically 180 degrees differently. And I made that I made that switch over the course of one weekend. So I've always had that ability to say, oh, wait a minute, I, I've been wrong about this. Here's the truth over here. This spade is a spade. I'm with the truth. I'm going in that direction. Um, so that's kind of where we are. Um, next segue I want to get into is people are asking about uh, Paralin and how does Vigano relate to Paralin? Is Vigano just uh, Secretary of State Pietro Paralin's puppet? And this is all Paralin's maneuver to now become anti pope himself and get these reins of power. Uh, it, it's, I, I don't actually, I don't think so now that we're over 24 hours into this. Um, intelligence that I'm getting on the ground is that Vigano actually does have supernatural faith and actually did and does fear for his the eternal fate of his soul and actually did this because he doesn't want to go to hell. Um, and obviously that's, <laughs> that's great. That's what we're after. Um, it, it is worth mentioning, though, with regards to Vigano, and a lot of people have emailed me about this, and I see it and I realize it, that he did not handle the... Um, uh, Nienstedt, the bishop up in Minnesota, who was a trad or a quasi trad. He was an archbishop, I, I think Minneapolis St. Paul Nienstedt, who was removed a few years ago. He Nienstedt would celebrate the old mass, do um, uh, old rite confirmations, et cetera, et cetera. If you go to Father Z's blog, um, what does the prayer really say? WD, what? WDT. PRS.com. Sorry, I have to I think have to about do that, that every one. single time uh, I pull up a site too. You know, isn't like FatherZ.info available or something? I think it is, but you know, it for me. I think if I just press W or WD on my on my keyboard anymore, the browser just brings it up. If you go to FatherZ's website and do a search, a keyword search on his blog of Neenstead, N I E N. S-T-E-D-T, if I'm not mistaken, you will see that there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of entries because uh, Father Z is up, has been up in that Wisconsin, Minnesota area for many years now. And he was involved in all of those um, liturgies that Neenstedt was doing. Neenstedt was, was just like um, McCarrick and the rest of these fags. He was notorious 
for um, sodomy and uh, with with seminarians, especially in young priests, and was nasty. And if you turn and if you were a seminarian and you turned him down, he w- he was one of these ones who would destroy you. But he had tricked everybody. He tricked the trads up there, and he was considered conservative and blah blah blah. Well, he was removed a few years ago. Um, Vigano's handling of that is is not it's not encouraging. It's not edifying. If you read the backstory on that. And then Neenstedt was sent to some super cush job out in Napa, California. He was a chaplain to some think tank or something living in luxury, you know, up in Sonoma County or whatever. He just recently with like within the last two weeks, I think, um, resigned from that, which, you know, leads to another question of what, what do we do with these guys? Well, they should be in prison. I mean, if if the if the society was sane, these guys should be laicized. They should be tried in the civil courts, and they should be locked up and the key thrown away. Um, that's not going to happen. But I, I yeah yeah. But but McCarrick, Whirl, all of these guys. You're we're going to end up now with hopefully dozens and dozens of these faggots. What what do we do? Are we going to set them up in some damn resort so they can just all screw each other now for the rest of their lives? I mean, it's going to turn it's going to turn into basically a prison environment, you know. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I know what I would do if I were in charge, but it would involve, you know, executions, obviously. And that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But the deal with Perilyn, um, it doesn't look like from information that's on the ground right now that this deal with Vigano is Perilyn's maneuvering behind the scenes precisely because Vigano calls out Perilyn in the 11 page document. He's one of the names that's named, um, with the corruption and so forth. Perilyn is, is the, the quote unquote child of the odious Cardinal Sedano Sedano was the number one advocate and beneficiary of payola from, wait for it, the Legionaries of Christ. It all comes swirling back together. So you've got these this faggot Sedano getting money from this, you know, crazed psychopath, incestuous sodomite, um, Marcel Maciel, head of the legionaries of Christ, it said that, you know, every time, every time that Maciel or Maciel's number one or number two would go to the Vatican and have an audience with, with this, with odious Angelo Sedano, that, that he would walk in with an envelope containing five to $10,000 in either us dollars or euros you know, I mean, and that was just that was just part of the deal. You walked into Sedano's office and you handed him an envelope filled with cash. That's how the Legion of Christ operated. That's how it got its power. Perilyn is Sedano's boy. And it said that Sedano, even though he's 90 something, is still very much pulling strings and making decisions and running the show in the Roman Curia right now, just in exactly the same way that McCarrick, who was um, in his upper 80s for these last five years, we now realize McCarrick was calling the shots and saying, you're going to put Supich in Chicago, you're going to put McElroy in San Diego, you're going to put Tobin in New York, all of them fags, all of them raging, raging fags. Um, who predate on on 
twink seminarians. And I keep using the word twink on the on the blog in writing. And if there's any listeners who aren't familiar with that term, that is a sodomite slang cultural term, which is a a young man or teenager who looks young. So you can have a a man who's over the age of 18, who's 19, 20, 21, all the way up up into his late 20s, presumably. We all know these kind of guys who just look young, you know. They couldn't grow a beard if, if their life depended on it. So they're young, they're hairless, they're smooth. They look adolescent. They look like that teenage, that teenage aesthetic, that teenage vibe. They're called twinks. And it's, uh, it's, it's after Twinkie. And the reason for that is really gross. And if you think about a Twinkie, it might occur to you, but I'm just, I'm not even going to go there, but they're called twinks. So twink seminarians, young seminarians who look like teenage boys, that's who these guys are. That's what they want. That is the, that is kind of an across-the-board sodomite preferred aesthetic. That's who these men are predating and chasing. Um, absolutely disgusting. So uh, let's see. Into my notes. Ooh, segue next topic. Bergoglio must be laicized. Yeah, Bergoglio. He has to be laicized because he is, and this is a fait accompli. It's already done. He is at the head now of a cult, Okay. He has this this separate cult. Millions and millions of people are going to follow him. It's a done deal, okay? Why? Because he ratifies people in their sins, specifically sins against the Sixth Commandment. His creed is essentially the, the satanic creed. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Your conscience is supreme. The, the law d- doesn't matter. The law is a pharisaical... Um, construct do what you will do what feels good do what you want that is what bergoglio preaches that is his anti-gospel and so people will follow him because they want to fornicate they want to have their plural marriages they want to be sodomites they want all they want to contracept they want all of this stuff ratified he does that they will follow him it's not if it's not if. It is absolutely guaranteed. You, you talk, oh, we, we're, we fear schism. Schism is already upon us. It's already here. Stop, stop worrying about whether or not there's going to be a schism. Look at the battlefield. Look at the tactical situation. It's already happened. People are going to trail off after Bergoglio no matter what. If Bergoglio, if and when Bergoglio is removed, obviously is anti-pope, he must be laicized. He must be laicized in order to protect the, the true church so that there is absolutely no question that this man is outside of the church and that no cult can be established can, and that no cult can be, quote unquote, legally established around him. He has to be laicized. A cult will form around him no matter what. We must be proactive and offensively. We must go on the offense to defend the church from the Bergolian schismatic sect, the anti-church, whatever you want to call it, which already exists. I, you know, I think this is one of the things that is keeping, that is paralyzing Cardinal Burke 
and is that Cardinal Burke keeps telling himself, well, if we do this or if we do that, there's going to be a schism. Damn it, there's already a schism. Man up. Man up and face this. There already is a schism. The only path forward is to acknowledge that truth and per- and prosecute this war in this battle space given objective reality. And that is is that we have sat by and let th- let these people create this schismatic sect, this anti-church, and now, by God, we have to deal with it. We have to fight it, and we have to deal with it, not pretend that it doesn't exist. This, this effeminate, burying your head in the sand, slothful mindset that as long as we just deny objective reality, well, then everything will be okay. Everything will work itself out. It's God's church. Yes, it is God's church, but he's, he permits these things to happen so that we can do the right thing so that we can fight for him. Not so we can just stand here, piss our pants like little girls do nothing and just wait and just wait for supernatural intervention to come. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, how many countless millions of souls are being lost to eternal damnation because of this? We have to go on offense and we have to pull as many of these people back into the bark of Peter or keep them from falling over the edge to start with as we possibly can. And understand that there is this schismatic anti-church out there. Bergoglio is at its head and we have to fight it. It, it is extant now. It is a fait accompli. We have to fight it. Um, the last point I want to make before we sign off or I, I see if Super Nerd wants to ask any questions or make any comments. Um, Archbishop Vigano, people like Ed Penton, who is the Vatican reporter who... Um, you know, he's he's the number one English language reporter. Um, there are some Italians, I think, you know, I, I won't name name the names because I'm not even sure of some of them. But there are some Italians, um, people like Diane Montagna, who works for LifeSite News, who did the translation of the 11 page document. Um, people like that. These people are actually in danger. They're in danger preternaturally because Satan and the demons are really pissed off that that this has all now been exposed because they were cruising along pretty nicely there for a while. Um, and they're also in physical danger um, from the Bergolian sodomite sect. And no, I'm not being overly dramatic here. Sodomites are intrinsically violent. They are violent people. If you think about the act of sodomy itself, it is a horrifically violent act. Look at history. Just look at recent history and look at the regimes who have slaughtered and killed so many people. The Nazis leap to mind. All of those upper echelon Nazis were all sex perverts, all of them. Um, read uh, what's it called the pink swastika read the pink swastika Hitler all of them they were cross dressers they have exact they had exactly the same thing and did exactly the same thing that these these faggot prelates are doing they all had female code names Um, you know so McCarrick is Blanche and um, Spellman was Nellie and Whirl is Donna and all that they all have their faggot code names and there's one famous one whose name was Jessica and blah, blah, blah. Um, the Nazis had exactly the same thing. They're, these sex perverts tend to do that. H- history doesn't repeat, but it sure as hell rhymes and rhymes closely sometimes. These are nasty, violent people. And yes, they have connections to the Italian mafia. And yes, 
people are in physical danger um, by exposing this. We say, well, you know, Bergoglio's dumb and and so on and so forth. Yeah, but you give dumb people, you give dumb, evil people power and they can they can kill you just the same. They can take out a contract with the Neapolitan mafia and, you know, have have car bombs planted or have just people kidnapped and end up being found floating in the Tiber somewhere. We have to pray for these people and we have to be realistic about this and realize that, yes, physical violence, because now if you think about it uh, in terms of Bergoglio, physical violence is about all he has left. And he in Argentina, he was absolutely complicit. If you read um, uh, Sire's book, The Dictator Pope, he lays out the whole history of Bergoglio's um, political intrigues in Argentina and the fact that Bergoglio is strongly suspected of being complicit in the deaths, in uh, deaths, deaths particularly of some some Jesuit priests. Um, so, do I think that Bergoglio is capable of uh, contracting physical violence against his enemies? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Again, man up, man up, and face the situation. These are spectacularly evil people. And they are they have the ability to do things that you and I, people out there listening as as morally sane human beings, they have the capacity to do things that that we just can't even understand. We can we can grasp it superficially, intellectually. But, you know, hopefully there's no one out there who can deeply understand what it's like to be a criminal minded psychopath, a murderous psychopath like people like Bergoglio are and others. So, yes, Archbishop Vigano, Ed Penton, Diane Montagna, any of the other, you know, reporters, Vaticanista, who are instrumental in exposing all of this, please, please lift these people up in prayer and and get as much of a hedge of, of angelic protection around these people as, as we possibly can. And, um, and also pray for our enemies. Pray that somehow, some way, it may, it may be not all of them, but it's conceivably possible that some of these men that we're sitting around here discussing as being spectacularly evil psychopaths, Christ, Christ's mercy is infinite, and if the consequences are dire enough, as, as morally far gone as they are, um, it, it still is possible that something could happen to them that could shake them enough to throw themselves at the feet of our Lord, throw themselves at the foot of the cross and beg God's mercy. Um, so we should, obviously, as believing <laughs> believing Catholics, we should be praying for our enemies every day as well. And with that, I'll ask you, Super Nerd, do you have anything to add or anything I need to touch? I almost wonder whether or not the, the people in question here are beyond redemption, so to speak. I mean, what, what could possibly shake somebody in those in, in that situation. And I think about the situation of the priest in, I think it was Indianapolis, who somebody beat the crap out of him saying, this is for the kids. I mean, okay, some that was going to happen. I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. And I think traditional priests are going to have a harder time with this because they actually dress like priests. What if somebody pays attention to what came out in Vigano's letter and goes and, and kills one of the people named in this letter saying, this is for the cover-up? Would that actually wake up anybody? I'm not recommending it by any means. That's not a good idea. 
But I'm wondering just from a, from a perspective of, of, you know, are these people able to be reached in that manner? Would that even phase them? This, I had a, a conversation almost exactly like this a couple of weeks ago um, because it was in the context of Bergoglio coming out and trying to say that um, the death penalty is against the gospel or whatever. What amazing timing on that, by the way, just as yeah. all of this news breaks, almost like he had foreknowledge it was coming out. Mm, almost. Uh, and, you know, people were snarkily making the comment when that happened. And someone made a meme of Bergoglio embracing McCarrick saying, don't worry, Ted, I just I just declared execution to be um, off the table. And it was made as a joke, but I, I don't really think that that it was completely a joke. Um, this is one of the main arguments for having uh, the death penalty on the table, because as you said, super nerd, when people when people commit sins, um, when you commit a sin, it makes you blind and it makes you stupid. So you're in you're in a hole and you just keep digging. And the more you commit a sin, the worse sins you commit, the deeper and deeper and deeper this hole you're digging for yourself gets. But the thing is, is that with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, there's always a ladder. You always have a ladder that's coming down to you, no matter how dig you deep this hole, no matter how deep you dig your hole. Um, but the worse the worse your sins, the more blind you become, the more clouded your intellect becomes, the more attached to your own sin you become. And so by definition, the harder and harder and harder it gets for you to see that the, that the ladder is there and then much less to climb the ladder and, and get out. Um, one of the, the, the only things, and I was talking about this with a person in the context of someone like McCarrick, who has been not just committing sodomy, but committing sacrilegious sodomy. And now it's, it's exposed, I think it's in um, Archbishop Vigano's letter, that he's, he says that there's information that McCarrick would, have, would commit sodomy with other priests and then immediately turn around and go and offer the holy sacrifice of the mass. You know, I mean, this is this is a blasphemy of the highest order. Um, imagine what that does. Imagine how deep that hole is, and imagine how how blind and how intellectually clouded all of these men are. You look at someone like Whirl, who just is going to keep lying, and it's clear that his tack is to deny everything and keep lying and lying and lying and lying and lying. And lying. That these men show no no indication that they are going to self-correct on any of this. This is why you have the last recourse and why execution is, in fact, a mercy. It is it is the human family coming together with someone who's committed crimes so awful and saying, look, this is this is the only way. This is the last hope you have. You are, for example, hypothetically, going to be hung by the neck until you are dead at exactly 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. This is going to happen. There's no doubt about this. You are going to die. And when you die, you are going to go to your particular judgment. We are begging you to repent of what you've done and say you're sorry. 
there are cases of people who have knowing for a certitude that they were going to be executed at a certain date and time, having this mercy of knowing when they were going to go exactly to their particular judgment, that they were able then in that desperation to realize, hey, there's a ladder here in this hole that I've dug for myself. I should maybe stop digging and start climbing out. And there are people who have committed horrible, horrible crimes. And as a result of being justly executed, have died well, have confessed their sins, been absolved of their sins, and and have been able to then go to their particular judgment with with some sort of hope, <laughs> with with hope of salvation. Whereas if men like McCarrick and Whirl and all the rest of these faggots, if they're just allowed to retire to some damn beach house villa in the Caribbean or like uh, Neenstedt being shipped off to, oh, poor you, to be shipped off to Sonoma County to live the rest of your life living in one of the most luxurious enclaves in the United States or Whirl, who's trying to get installed like a Cardinal Law of Boston, who's trying to get installed as as the the archpriest of one of the Roman basilicas and continue to live this life of absolute decadence that he does live both in Washington, D.C. and in Rome. Um, are these men really, do you think they're ever going to repent of this, give, given how severe their sins and crimes are? And how clearly they are unable to recognize the state of their own sin. And again, a lot of them don't have any supernatural faith. So again, a lot of people come to Jesus when they know they're about to die. Whether it be they're about to be executed, they're about to go into battle, um, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and you only have six weeks to live, whatever it is. A lot of people come to Jesus when they know that death is is fast approaching. Um, are these men going to repent unless there are any sort of serious consequences? Sadly, uh, you know, talking about law of averages, probably not, probably not. And so that's why the human family with the ratification of God and the, under the instruction of God in the Holy scriptures, absolutely positively ratifies, um, capital punishment. And it's not like, absolution and forgiveness would be withheld if they genuinely wanted to be forgiven. Yeah, you reach the point in sin where yet you become blind, you become um, fixed in your sin, you become incapable of having shame at any, yeah. at any level except for your sins. And one thought that occurred to me, stereotypically, gay men tend to have good relationships with their mom. Why not seek out Our Lady and 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 try to uh, build some some sort of, of of sense of shame or desire to repent, but it makes me wonder. I'll bet, for reasons I can't understand because I don't understand the mind at that level, I'll bet this crowd hates Our Lady for some reason. Yeah, they probably do. Probably with a fa- probably with a passion even more fiery than Protestants. Well, they they're like their father Satan, and I, I mean from the very beginning, you know. I will put enmity between you and the woman, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing is that fags hate good women. They hate good women because good women are an indictment of their of their perversion. 
you know, so that's why fags tend to hang around with, attract and run with women that are train wrecks. So sexually promiscuous women, women, badly behaved women, um, even just the, the most benign form of the fag hag is, you know, kind of the overweight, emotionally clingy type of a woman. But at any rate, they hold women in contempt and they, they surround themselves with women such that as soon as the women are out of earshot amongst themselves, they can point to these train wreck women that they're running around with and say, see, that's the reason why I have oral sex with guys. That, that's the reason why I commit sodomy, because there's no way in hell that I'm going to attach myself to that and wake up next to that every morning, et cetera, et cetera. And they all get together and say, oh, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And these these women, these stupid women who run with fags, they don't they don't realize or they're lacking they're lacking the self-awareness or or they're just deluded and they don't realize that these fags all hold them in contempt and laugh at them and call them horrible names behind their back. Um, and there is no genuine friendship there because a sodomite being a diabolical narcissist is not capable of genuine friendship. They're capable of, of using people and objectifying people. Um, and so this is another reason why, for example, you see a lot of fags are attached to wealthy women, um, burned out Hollywood movie stars. A lot of times if you watch like A&E's biography and you watch, you know, the biography of, I don't know, name, name some, say again, Catherine Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn or who, or one of these old burned out movie stars, who's the number one source of information on these people for the, for the late, late, the latter phase of their life it's some fag that attached themselves to them because they had money and because, you know, they were, they were celebrities and they had social connections. There's no genuine affection. There. There's no genuine friendship. It's just fags using people. Um, and fags use women just like they use men. They use women in a different way. Um, but yes, fags hate good women and so for this reason, and I've, I've, I've seen this, and I put this in my, my piece that um, got quite a lot of play within the last month, the uh, war- warning trad Catholics about these so-called, what I call liturgical fetishists, and I titled the piece, um, Wolves in Jacquard and Lace. What, what are some of the characteristics? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, confirmed bachelors who hang around trad parishes and, um, do nothing but complain about how terrible everything is and act like queens. Uh, there's your, there's your first indicator. But another thing that you will notice is that they have contempt for the rosary and that's because they hate good women. Um, our lady and, and St. Joseph are just a, are an, an indictment of what they define themselves by, which is their sexual perversion. And that's their choice. That's their whole James Martin shtick is, you know, LGBT and all this and defining yourself almost as, as the incarnation of your sin, as the incarnation of sodomy. I am gay, they say, you know. Um, no, you're a human being who engages in the horrific sin of sodomy, um, but you're a human being. 
this is this is the poison so saint joseph and our lady especially are just complete indictments of that and so that's why they hold them in contempt but you know she's <laughs> our lady's pretty powerful and if any if anyone can can cause a breakthrough to occur and if anyone should be enjoined in this battle it it's definitely her no question well, definitely pray to Our Lady for them, and if you can get them to uh, allow them to pray for you on their behalf, that's called prayers of agency, and I don't know the multiplier factor, but it's way, way more powerful to pray for somebody when they've given you permission to pray for them than it is mm. to simply pray for them in the blind. So if you happen to see any of these people, say, may I pray for you in your name? I mean, it's going to sound, just tell them, it'll make me feel better. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do that. Um, a couple points real quick. Um, this is a very fluid situation as I'm as we're recording this, and uh, I'm, I'm half keeping an eye on things floating through Twitter. Uh, Bergoglio just um, made some comments on an airplane, like he is wont to do. He says, "I will not say a single word about the allegations of, of the McCarrick cover up." How about that? And How the link is in that? the show notes already. So, yep. um, read more about that. I'm sure this topic is we're, we're not done with it yet. And uh, you mentioned doing the same thing I always do when we try to pull up Father Z's blog. It's like, well, how is that spelled again? Uh, I fixed it for you. FatherZ.blog. That goes to his website now. There you go. Very nice. So, and, and the link in there to the Neenstat. But yeah, FatherZ.com. Assuming you can spell the word father with a Z on it, dot blog, enter, you're there. Cool. You're All welcome. right. We'll put, it, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes on this one. I'll have to tweet at him saying I did that for him. Cool. Well, I think uh, I think that's all for now. I think that'll at least get us get us into this week. And um, you know, we'll if we have to do another one, if something absolutely amazing happens, um, Super Nerd and I will try to. Although he's Super Nerd, you're going to be pretty busy this week, huh? The availability to get get uh, more recording done this week is going to be much more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Our overnight help is thin this week, so. Uh, we're probably going to be just optimizing for being you know, being able to get sleep and um, taking care of medium-sized princess. <laughs> Media, yeah, she's growing fast. She's, she's growing, growing fast. That's, that's true. <laughs> I get to see all the photos and the videos that you guys don't get to see, so haha. Um, yeah, so, and, I mean, if anything happens, I, I can always write, too. <laughs> so keep an eye on barnhart.biz. Keep an eye on that space, and I will try to continue doing what I can. Um, if there's any breaking news that needs to be needs to be posted, go ahead and consider barnhart.biz a, a go-to resource, or at least just keep your eye on it. The email address for the podcast, uh, which also goes to Anne, goes to me as well. The email address, if you have uh, feedback, comments, or suggestions, is podcast at barnhart.biz. I don't know how many episodes I've been reading my notes here for the the wrap-up. I just realized I misspelled the word podcast in my notes. I, sh- I should have fixed that by now, just for my own sanity. Um, <laughs> masses for Anne's benefactors. Uh, if you're hearing this podcast, there was a mass said for you today and every day. Um, Please pray for the priests who are offering these masses. They definitely need our prayers. And once a week, whether you are a Vietnam veteran who just died and is no longer in the Senate as a result, or anybody who dies in the last week, there is a Requiem Mass said for you once a week as well. Again, please please pray for these priests. Uh, The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this podcast or in other episodes— 
and would like to return some value, please visit superdirtmedia.com for more information. And that's what Richard and Richard, two different Richards, did, as well as somebody I'm going to call the double secret engineer because I got another um, donation sent to the P.O. Box wrapped in the uh, the specifications document for a Motorola real-time clock CMS chip. I <laughs> barely have a clue what this does, but I am very grateful for the support. And um, this whole podcast episode this time is sort of, in a sense, uh, an extension of the whole Matthew 1720 initiative. Regardless of who, which bishop in white you think is the pope, we've got a massive cluster blape going on in Rome right now. We need to, you know, prayer, prayer and fasting is the only way to solve this. Prayer and fasting is the only way to get this solved. And the better you can commit to it, um, the better. I mean, Consult with your doctor before doing anything crazy. We're not asking you to do the Auschwitz diet. You know, do something that that hurts, not something that will harm. Uh, offer it up. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck with, I don't know, Perlin. Uh, I don't know. He's. They say he's been tarnished enough now by this uh, that he might not be papabile either or anti-papabile, I guess I should say. Um, but, you know, it's <laughs> at this point, given all of the weirdness that's happened, if you honestly think you can foresee future events, I mean, you're crazy. Uh, we just, like you said, the situation is fluid and we have to be grounded in objective reality, truth, and uh, stay close to our Lord and our Lady. And there will always be a trail of breadcrumbs. Our Lord is not a jerk. He's not trying to give any of us the shake. He's not trying to trick any of us into jumping off the bark of Peter. Absolutely not. There will always be a clear, visible trail of breadcrumbs for all of us to follow. And we just need to do that. That's what you need to focus on. And, you know, there are going to be certain people out there who are, and I flatter myself, perhaps, but I consider myself maybe one of them who will kind of try to help and say, okay, here's the trail of breadcrumbs or I'm, I'm going this way. <laughs> um, and we all stand before Christ alone at our particular judgment. We're not going to be able to point the fingers at any of these cardinals or any bishops or priests or anyone else. You stand before Christ alone and naked, and you're going to have to uh, make account for the decisions that you make. And also remember that people who are scandalized, what that means is that they are, the ultimate scandal is when someone is lost to hell. They're still lost to hell. Even if someone else causes the scandal, you're still personally culpable if you allow that to cause you to sin or to cause you to lose your faith. So don't think that, well, it's not, it's not going to be my fault if these people scandalize me out of the church, no, it, it indicates a, a, a lack or deficiency of faith, um, a lack of, of knowing your faith, if you permit yourself to be scandalized. So we're all going to be held to account for this and how we react to this. So like I said, just stay close to our Lord and our Lady and stay in the church. Stay in the church. This Rod Dreher is doing really good work, um, you know, reporting a lot of this. And a lot of people are watching his Twitter feed and so on and so forth. The, the guy did did a very bad thing. And he left the Catholic Church and he went trailing off into the Eastern Orthodox. That is not the answer, people. The answer is you have to stay in the bark of Peter, 
period, full stop. You cannot lose your faith. And if you do lose your faith, if you permit these people to scandalize you, you're going to be held held to account for that. They'll be held to account. I mean, they'll have the millstone around their neck and all that. But you'll be in hell, too, if you choose to do that. So don't do that. Stay in, stay in the bark. And until next time, when we hope to have <laughs> happier news, uh, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.